Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I'm really excited to welcome back a friend of the podcast, Stephanie Hodges, author of The Daniel Fast Journey, to talk with us about prayer and fasting, and, and very specifically this Daniel Fast. Um, Stephanie joined us in April for our Praying Christian Women online conference, and now we have an opportunity of, to talk with her again um, on the podcast to get this out to everybody who wants to hear about this really important topic. So Stephanie, thank you so much for being here to share what you've learned about fasting with us. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we get a lot of comments and questions about fasting. And I think Alana and I may have touched on it, but we have never, other than having you on the conference, which isn't the same venue as, as the podcast, um, we haven't had anyone talk about this, so it's been a long time coming. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, but before we jump in, we like to ask all of our guests, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to, to pray and to be close with God? Yeah, my favorite place um, is really just to be in the living room of our house before anybody else wakes up. <laughs> and it's more just about having that, that space that's quiet, you know, praying over the house, praying over the day. Um, it's, it's a time when I have that stillness and that quiet when I first wake up that I, I feel most close to the Lord and just feel his presence in that time. Yeah, there is definitely something about that. Just being in the quiet. I think we are so inundated with input in our day and age, you know, in our society today that I just think that, yeah, we definitely need that quiet time. And, and it just kind of opens up that channel of hearing from God and organizing our thoughts, even to be able to, to know what to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, can you just give us kind of an overview um, of, I know you've done a lot of research in your book. I love, you just are so thorough and so biblical um, based when it comes to explaining what fasting is and, and what sets it apart from dieting and, and, you know, cause fasting mm -hmm. is a, is a really hot topic right now in health mm -hmm. and nutrition, which doesn't make it wrong, but it is different from the kind of fasting that we're talking about. And so can you just talk a little bit about that? What is spiritual fasting and, and what sets it apart from just the fasting that you hear about from nutrition gur gurus? Yeah. Well, I would say the big difference you could say is that Fasting from, for dieting purposes is from the outside in, but fasting for spiritual purposes is from the inside out. So either way you do it, it's going to impact your body and your physical health. And so we're not trying to say if it's a spiritual fast, oh, you can't be worried about your body at all. It doesn't have to do with health. It doesn't have to um, do with anything anything that's not just purely spiritual, because when you fast, when you're denying your body food, it's actually going to impact you body, soul, and spirit. And that's why it's such a powerful, powerful practice. Uh, but the, the thing with dieting as well is our culture is very consumed with weight loss. Mm -hmm. And we do have a culture where the latest statistics I saw is that 40% of people are obese. Um, many chronic health conditions exist people are suffering from physically. And so dieting from the perspective of eating healthy, eating nutrient rich food is an important topic. And we are called to be good stewards of our body. And that has a lot to do with what we're eating and how we're eating. 
However, when you are looking back in the Bible, nobody is, is fasting for weight loss and intermittent fasting has become really popular lately. Um, and that's fasting for specific periods of time and, and doing it perhaps long-term for health benefits, for mental benefits. And when you're doing a spiritual fast, you're going to get some of those health benefits as well, but it's, it's a byproduct. It's not the main goal. And so choosing too fast for health is not wrong either. Um, if you're adjusting your diet in that way, but it's just, just that we don't want to get confused when we're fasting for spiritual purposes and fasting and prayer, that the greater goal is seeking God and drawing near to him. Yeah. Well, like so many things in the Bible and just in, in Jesus teachings, it's a heart condition, you know, it boils down to mm -hmm. your heart condition and what are your motives? Um, so are there different types of fasting and, and could you maybe give us, I know that the Daniel fast is what we're going to focus on today, but can you just give us kind of an overview? What are some different types of fasting that people do? Mm -hmm. Well, when you look at the Bible, you see Moses and Jesus fasting for 40 days at a time. Uh, you see Nehemiah fasting, Esther, um, King David, you see the apostles fasting. So we see these different examples in the Bible of people fasting for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it was mourning. Sometimes it was uh, seeking God for direction. Sometimes it was just within an encounter with God. Like when Moses was fasting, that was when he received the 10 commandments on the mountain. When Jesus was fasting for 40 days, that was right after he got baptized, water baptized by, by John the Baptist, but before he started his public ministry. So it was a key transition point. Um, so we see all these examples of fasting in the Bible, and some of them are complete fasts where we're looking at no food at all. Uh, and then some are partial fasts, like we see in the book of Daniel. And so the Daniel fast is based off of a passage in Daniel chapter one, where he says, and this is after he and his friends have been taken into captivity, into Babylon, they're in the King's court. And it says that he made up his mind not to defile himself with the King's food. So that he asked that him and his friends would be given just vegetables and water. Um, and there were consequences for the captain of the guard if that, that plan went wrong. And so he said, just test us for 10 days and see what happens. And at the end of those 10 days, they were, were looking better and healthier than anybody else. So they were allowed to continue to eat that way. And then in, in chapter 10, Daniel talks about a period of time where he fasted um, from meats and tasty foods for a period of 21 days. Days. So that's where times we see that a Daniel fast is 10 days or it's 21 days. That's not a rule that it has to be uh, for those lengths of time, but we see in those patterns, a partial fast, which is where we're eating just certain types of foods and abstaining from other foods. And so that's the partial fast. There's a complete fast. And then there's other fasting that people practice where maybe they are only going to consume liquids um, or so it's like smoothies, broths, and fresh juices, things that are liquid. So there's different options out there. And again, it goes back to that first point that we made that this is really about your heart condition. It's about drawing near to God. So what you eat isn't your primary goal. It's not a role of willpower to follow up a plan really strictly, but at the same time, it is about denying your flesh and turning to God first for all your needs to satisfy you, to fill you up. 
You know, it's okay to feel a little hungry when you fast and you will feel hungry when you fast and that's uncomfortable, but it's okay to be uncomfortable when our greater goal is, is seeking the, the deeper and the better things of the Lord that come from building up our, our spiritual being. Yeah. And so what are some of the, uh, what are some of those specific biblical reasons that, that fasting was incorporated? What was the catalyst for, for different people at different times to incorporate fasting? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, when Daniel was not wanting to defile himself with the King's food, mm-hmm. um, that was because, you know, and, and biblical scholars mainly land on on a couple reasons why, which could have been because the food was sacrificed to idols or it wasn't um, prepared according to the Jewish dietary laws. But either way, it was offensive to Daniel's spirit to eat that food that was not clean food. It would have involved him having a compromise um, on his obedience to God. Which and is interesting. we see with it's interesting that it wasn't just a physical reason like, oh, I, you know, I, this is not the type of food I'm used to. This is not the type of food that, that we're supposed to have, but it's, there was, there was a spiritual significance to that food as, you know, as far as being sacrificed to idols or being, uh, unclean or not, not processed in the way that, that he was told to process. I just think that's, you know, that it it did go beyond just the physical quality of the food. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, and another example of fasting is with when she had to go to the King and she wasn't supposed to go to the King without being called. Um, and the Jews were all threatened with death, with extermination. She called all the people to fast for three days before she went to the King. And so there's these periods when people fasted in the Bible, like with Esther, like with Jesus for 40 days, where it's not really saying, okay, so exactly what did you do during the day? Uh, What was your prayer to God? You know, it's just kind of this silent period of of them fasting. But Jesus also says in Matthew chapter six, he's um, speaking against the, some of the religious leaders and people who would fast for show. And he says, don't do it on the street corner, you know, don't do it. So everybody but he can see what you're doing, but go in a great place. He actually says, you know, wash your face, anoint your head, look normal on the outside, but your fasting is done in a secret place to God. So a lot, in a lot of these examples, you see people just going alone with God. And then we see what happens on the other end of it. So they're coming out with strength. They're coming out with strategy. Um, like in Esther's case, then when she went to the King, she had a strategy for inviting him to multiple dinners and then asking him, you know, making her request to him. Um, Jesus at the end of his fast was tempted by the devil, but he was strong in his spirit and he was able to refuse all those temptations with the true word of God. So we see like those reasons and those happenings. And then also in the new Testament, we see the apostles fasting and praying um, before they set aside Paul and Barnabas, and then they're fasting and praying before they send them out. So a common thread we see a lot is that it's for seeking discernment, for seeking strategy, um, for seeking strengthening from the Lord, uh, for whatever it is that that's a decision we need to make or um, something that we have to do. Well, so many things that God calls us to do actually have physical effects. Do you see a physical component of fasting that bridges that gap 
to receive from God? I mean, what it what are the physical changes that that happen when you're fasting from both your experience and and your research that make us more somehow effective at receiving from God or at whatever those things mm-hmm. are that we need during that time of fasting is, is that practical? Are there practical reasons that you, do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one that is um, you can see this even like from a secular perspective in fasting that many people will account and agree on is that when you're fasting, you will have more energy and have more mental clarity. Um, and part of that is because you're not constantly like we eat constantly, uh, yeah. the majority of us is speaking for myself. And it used to Me be too. even not that long ago, uh, that your parents would tell you don't eat between meals. Cause you're spoil your appetite. But mm-hmm. now we're in a culture where we just eat all the time and we, we dread hungry. It's like, I know I can't feel hungry. I, I have to be always feeling full. And so when you give your body that break from constantly, cause digestion is a lot of work for your body. And so from a physical standpoint, when your body's not constantly having to digest food and work through figuring out, like, maybe you just dumped a bunch of sugar in there and then your blood sugar is having to, um, fix itself and, and just all of those things. It's like, when you give your body a break, it can actually, in a sense, clean out and do what it was designed to do and function more optimally. And so even if you're not fasting completely for, from food, but Daniel fast, well, then you're putting in just pure plants, vegetables, whole grains, no preservatives, no sugar, none of those things that tend to weigh your body down and make it really sluggish. So that's a physical perspective, but I think what happens in fasting as well is it's our attention and our intention, like our mm-hmm. intention of drawing closer to God and focusing our, our mind, our heart, our will on him and giving him our full attention. I think that's when we start to see things that he's ready to show us all along, but we're too busy and we're too distracted and we're too on the go um, that we may be missing things that he has to tell us things that he wants to show us. You know, it says in the Bible as well, who has eyes to see and ears to hear. Well, when we slow down, we take that intention, God, I know I can't figure this out on my own. I need some direction from you. I need some guidance from you. And I'm here to wait and listen and wait on the Lord. I'm like, wow, that convicts me because I'm a busy person. <laughs> I've loved to be busy. I love to be doing, I love to be reading three books at the same time and listening to podcasts while I work out. And I, like, I love all that, but I have really learned in recent years, the power of being still before God. And that's a big act of faith and trust to it's the same principle behind Sabbath where, you know, God even commanded the Israelites, you rest for one day and you do nothing because you trust me that I'm going to provide for you. You don't have to provide for yourself. And so I think fasting operates in that same principle of learning to fully rely on God. No, I don't need that food to make me feel better. Um, I don't need it to satisfy me. I need the living water. I need the living bread that can only come from Jesus. I have found that during times when I've been fasting, I become just really painfully aware of how I use food as a self-soothing mechanism. And Mm -hmm. I never thought of that before. I've never been like a, I love food, but I I've never been like a, I don't know. I I don't need to eat all the time, but, um, but what I've found is 
without even knowing it. If I have a bad day, I'm like, I'm going to get a coffee from the coffee cart instead of just regular coffee at home. Or um, I'm going to, you know, when I go to the store, I'm going to get myself this thing that I like. Like I, I use food a lot to fill voids and God has brought that to my attention. I think through fasting, it really exposes a lot. Even if you're just doing a, a moderate fast where you're just conscious of what you're eating, um, even if it's not a, a huge deviation, if you, you know, remove certain things, but I think it, what, it, what it does is it really does remind me of how much I use food as, as an idol and, and kind of use food to do the job that God should be doing, which is bringing comfort, bringing uh, fulfillment. And that's powerful. And I, boy, mm -hmm. I didn't expect that. Yeah, it is really powerful. And it's really true. It really uncovers the roots of why we're eating. If you'll stop and mm -hmm. ask yourself that question, and it could be easy to just fast and just want to moan and groan and be like, I'm hungry. I'm I don't feel full. I'm tired of eating vegetables. Um, but if you're asking yourself, and asking the Lord, why do I want to eat right now? That, that can be really powerful long-term uh, for your health and your habits, because a lot of times we're eating by association. And sometimes that's like, I need to have something sweet after dinner or for my kids. It's like, every time they watch a movie, they're like, can we make popcorn? And I'm like, we just yeah. ate, like, you don't need popcorn every time you watch a movie, but those things can um, get stuck in our head. It can be boredom. Uh, it can be um, numbing. It can be those difficult emotions. Like one thing I realized about myself, uh, was when my kids were little and they're two years apart. So it's like, they're like, you know, one, three and five and bedtime was like a thing <laughs> in those days. Ooh, yes. And it still can be. And so be like, okay, we've got to do the bedtime. Let me go to the pantry and get some chocolate first. <laughs> and it would be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, have that candy because I have to go do this, which can be stressful and it can be very trying on the nerves. And I'm really exhausted by the end of the day. Um, but that was kind of why, but did I need it? No. Um, and so it's understanding that. And, and it can be for some people actually very uh, severe. It's not just a little bit of snacking here and there, you know, oh, I just want to get a treat it can be, um, a very, uh, I can't think of how to say, but like a bondage that they're in where they feel controlled by food. Well, that brings me to the question. There's a line of fasting for the right reasons, fasting for the wrong reasons. Can you talk a little bit about what could be some wrong motives behind fasting? What are some things that I loved this part of your book? Cause I just, I felt myself saying, yes, she's so right on here you really do a great job of covering some of the, some of the pitfalls, some of the, the wrong motives behind fasting. Could you talk about some of those things that we want to make sure that we're not doing or the, the attitudes that we're not going into fasting with, or the things that we're, you know, thinking we're going to get out of it that we shouldn't be seeking after if that makes sense. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about the weight loss uh, quite a bit already. And so the, the one other thing I would just add to that point, is when you're thinking about fasting and in the back of your mind, because uh, I think a lot of us are, are guilty of this is like, and I might lose weight <laughs> and that would be an added bonus. But if you never saw another marketing message on weight loss and you never had to compare your body to anyone else's body, uh, what would your aspirations toward weight loss look like then? 
if I wasn't having to compare myself to someone else's genetics, to someone else's airbrushed photo, to an impossible idea, how would that change my view of things? And so that can shift us to a more healthier view of that. Uh, But remembering also that when we're doing a spiritual fast, it's more about the spirit. That's our first focus. So another part to that is is sometimes we can get very religious about fasting and okay, I'm going to fast all the time because that makes me holy and really mature people fast and people who are less mature, they don't fast. And so we're holding on to it as, as a routine or as a badge. Well, the Bible speaks specifically to that too. Um, And Jesus tells a parable about a Pharisee who's standing next to a tax collector. And the Pharisee says, oh, I'm so grateful that I'm not like this sinner over here next to me. And I fast twice a week and I do this and that. And then the, the tax collector is next to him, not even lifting his eyes and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus is saying this humble man, he was the one with the righteous heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not what we're doing that is earning us favor from God. And then and the other part of that is sometimes we want something so bad we can almost feel like we're, we're offering God a contract, like, God, I'm going to fast and you're going to answer my prayer. Um, and so this is something I really want. So instead of just praying, I'm going to pray and fast because then God's going to hear me. And then he's going to, you know, give me what I want. And the truth is God answers our prayers, just not in the way we expect all the time or not in the way that we think we want, because he knows what's best for us. And God hears our prayers. So we have to have that confidence and that faith, no matter what, that God is for us, um, that our righteousness is in Christ, that we don't have to work for it. We don't have to manipulate God for it. Like he's a genie in a bottle. And so if I do this formula and if I um, say this prayer with these words, and then I fast, then I get the result I want. That's just not the way a life of faith works, unfortunately, and we're called to walk by faith, not by sight. So as we do our part in fasting and in drawing near to God, um, we do get peace. We do get understanding. We do strengthen our faith. And sometimes that's the answer to our prayer, but it's not the, the answer that we thought we wanted. And I would say one more thing when it comes to the fasting is, is I think when we get into fasting, we can start to um, be discouraged in the process because maybe we're not feeling very well, or maybe we're feeling tempted. Um, And that's where I think the enemy can come in. And like he told Jesus when, when he was in the wilderness, it says after Jesus was done fasting, he was hungry. And even though he was the son of God, he still felt hunger. And, and experience what we experience as humans. And the first thing he came up and said to him was, Hey, tell these stones to become bread. And so in the same way, sometimes we can hear some, Hey, you don't really need to do this. Um, what's really the point of this? Uh, you know, this is too hard for you. You're not cut out for this. And, and we need to be able to stand on the rod in those moments and stand on our conviction of why we started and what we were aiming to do, um, because it is worth it. And that's something that we have to press forward through in our culture without being legalistic. We need to understand discipline and discipline is important and discipline's not always comfortable. Um, and the Bible talks about that too, you know, but he says discipline yields 
a harvest mm-hmm. in the end. And so we have to push through sometimes that uncomfortable part uh, in order to see what we really need to see. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That is so important. And so in your, in your, experience and the way that you go about fasting, do you always have a why in mind? Like, or do you just incorporate it into your life and see what God does or a little bit of both? Cause you, you did talk about kind of the, why you're doing it. Is it important to kind of have some time before the fast to identify why you're doing it? And mm-hmm. I think it can be some of both, but I do always pray for a why. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes my why, like there have been times that I, and when I say it's a little bit of both, I always fast in January or I, I have for many years now. And that for me is more of the, the conviction here. I want to set apart the first part of the year to the Lord. Um, goal, goal setting is so popular in January, making resolutions, but it's like, God, before I do all that, I want to hear from you and hear what you have to say. And so that's more a matter of discipline. Um, and, and I will typically do a fast in January and August, but there are other times where I'm fasting because of a specific prayer request, uh, or there's times where I just feel yuck. I'm in a funk. I don't really need know what's wrong, but something just doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel aligned. And so in those times, my why isn't really like a specific reason, but it's like, God, something is not right. Realign me. Mm-hmm. Um, and through fasting, sometimes, sometimes that's a part of it. And another, another example of fasting we see in the new Testament is Anna. And that's when they bring baby Jesus to the temple. And it says, Anna was there all, and she was a widow and she's in the temple all day fasting and praying and worshiping God all day, all night. And so we don't always have to think of fasting being something that we do when there's a problem (laughs) or it's something that's bad. It can be also just part of our worship um, regimen, just like we shouldn't only pray when we think from God uh, or when something bad is happening, but prayer is part of our our worship devotional life, drawing closer to God. And so that kind of touches on that discipline aspect of it, not discipline, not being a bad thing either, but as part of, um, my worship to God, sometimes I want to go without food because I want to fill up with the Holy spirit. I love that because that is a facet that I hadn't necessarily thought about is fasting, not as a time of, of somber reflection or petition, but praise and Thanksgiving and just almost like a sacrifice of praise. Like, you know, I'm just going to spend this time with God. I love that. Um, do you have any personal stories or testimonies, either yourself or women you've worked with just of how fasting has impacted your prayer life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think fasting is really powerful. And I, as you see in the Bible, there's nowhere that you don't see fasting accompanied by prayer. 
And so I think that that's something really important to keep in mind when you go into it. It's not just about what you don't do and what you don't eat. It's about when you're leaning in, in prayer. Um, So one example that happened quite a few years ago now was my husband was in a job that really wasn't good and it wasn't great for our family because we had two little kids at the time he was traveling all the time but we were kind of in a stuck position and so we said okay let's just fast about this and pray about this and we did shorter a couple days fasting and at the end of it nothing immediately happened which is often the case I think Um, but we felt peaceful. We felt strong. We felt confident in the Lord. And then the next month he got a call from one of his former coworkers saying, Hey, I have this job for you. Would you be interested in it? And we, we certainly think that's a direct correlation to what, what that period of fasting was for us. Um, more recently, I would say one time I was and this was not too long ago, I was really wanting an answer. And so as much as I said, everything that I just said, I really wanted to, this prayer to be answered the way I wanted it to be answered. And I was like, Lord, I'm going to fast because, um, I really need breakthrough here. And as I was fasting, uh, the answer to that was no, you don't, <laughs> you just need more of me. <laughs> you don't have to, to get this situation to turn out the way you want it to turn out. Um, nothing needs to change on the outside. You need to change your attitude <laughs> and you need to make the adjustment on the inside. Cause I've got this. And, uh, that's a, a quick paraphrase, but sometimes you see those tangible answers to your prayers. Uh, and sometimes what happens, it's an internal work, but either way, glory to God for everything that happens. Well, I love that God, I mean, God's going to meet you in your time of fasting and prayer if you are open to it. And I love that, that you went into it and you're like, look, God, I really want this. I'm going to fast and pray. And he met you there. The answer wasn't what you were looking for, but he answered you and he met you. And that is, um, that's, that's great. I love that you bring that up and looking back at the situation with your husband, knowing what you've said so far, even if you had come out of that time in prayer and of prayer and fasting and nothing changed with the job, you wouldn't have looked at that as as wasted time. I'm sure. Oh no, no. And it's that position, like another story in Daniel in the book of Daniel chapter three is the fiery furnace, um, where Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego get thrown into the furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they say, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your golden statue. And it's that even if tenacity, uh, that we have to build up to say, you know, no matter what happens, I'm going to hold on to my conviction and I'm going to trust my God. Yeah, that is powerful. That is, that's a powerful attitude and you can't go wrong with that kind of attitude. Um, to touch on the other side of the coin, are there people that should not fast or that should be very careful or, or take precautions before fasting? Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, sometimes when you have a uh, certain health conditions, if you're on 
certain medications that can really be thrown off by changing your diet or changing your diet suddenly. So for some people, it might not mean that you can't do a Daniel fast, but you need to have a longer transition period. And the only person that can answer that for you is your doctor, um, because every situation is unique and specific. And so that's, that really is a, a key step, um, for anyone really is to, to talk with your doctor before you do it. And most are going to be happy to hear that you're going to drink water instead of soft drinks and eat vegetables instead of chips. You know, most of them are going to be glad to hear that. Um, but especially if you have any health conditions and, uh, even an example is that I know someone who's had colon cancer and that's just forever altered their diet and what they're supposed to eat. And they can't eat too many vegetables. They have to be careful about how much fiber they consume, or it can really mess up their system. And so, you know, if that's, if that's you, that you might need to take some extra steps or fast in a different way, and you can still do that according to what's going to work for your body. And the other group that I would bring in, um, actually I would say too, is like pregnant and nursing women need to be really cautious to make sure they're getting all the vitamins and the nutrients and the macronutrients that their body needs, um, while serving a baby. And then anyone who has had an eating disorder in the past, or if that is something that you still struggle with focusing more on food, maybe not the thing that you need to do right now. And again, you know that because you know where you are in that journey, um, either way, or if that's something that's in your, your past history, you want to be sure that you're surrounding yourself with a strong support system. If you fast, um, so that you have accountability partners that you have people to talk through, um, and sometimes fasting, you know, it might not look like a focus on food. And another part of fasting that I see a lot of people kind of talking about and doing is the fasting social media or, you know, fasting TV or fasting something else that would be a worldly pleasure and distraction uh, from hearing from God and focusing on God. And while it's true that fasting in the Bible is not talking about social media, obviously they're talking about food and anytime they're mentioning fasting in the Bible, it is about food. And so we don't want to ignore that and, and just say, oh, I can just just pick whatever I want to fast from. Um, but especially if you're in one of those special populations or conditions, and even if you're not, if you can do a full fast or a Daniel fast, it's still probably a good idea to limit your social media and your intake of other types of media when you're fasting, because that can still provide that some of that cloudiness that we're trying to clear out so that we can hear from the Lord during that time. Yeah. And when I think about the historical context of biblical fasting, their, their food preparation and food routines probably were very much different from what we experience today. There was, you know, milling of grain, you know, there, there weren't any microwave meals, <laughs> there was no fast food. So, you know, I'm sure that one, you know, one just, um, you know, spirit of the, of the fast is taking away things that take your time away from focusing on God, which includes things like social media and, and things like that, which can be, can be helpful. But as you said, you know, not, not to exclude those, but if you are in one of those categories that cannot fast from food that, you know, incorporating some of these other things that take your time from God could be, could be substitutions that you could incorporate that might accomplish a similar goal. 
um, what is your what does your personal routine look like? And what specifically do you eat in your version of the Daniel fast? Um, just so that people who are curious um, can, you know, get some insights in what the day-to-day of your fasting life looks like when you're fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do different lengths of fasts um, depending on the time of year. And I, I think that's something really important for people to remember because a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of what I get questions about or what I hear about is like, Oh, I'm ready to fast. And I've read all this stuff. And I, but then it's like, I just can't do it. I can't find the time or the right time. Well, that's okay. You don't have to do it uh, for a certain length of time. Cause that kind of gets back into that misguided motivation of, Oh gosh, I have to do it for a certain amount of time or it's not going to count. Like right. it's not going to meet the mark. You know, if I don't do it for a certain amount of time, Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually appreciate being able to do a one day fast sometimes versus not fasting at all, just to have a day to get recalibrated. Um, but when I'm doing a longer Daniel fast, I will stick to all plant-based foods. Um, there have been times. So with the Daniel fast, there's a range of opinion on certain things that you can eat and can't eat. There's some gray area because the the main question is, well, if it's only plant based ingredients, can I eat it? Or if it doesn't have yeast. So then it gets to like, can I eat tortillas? Can I eat a flatbread? Could I eat pasta? Um, And some people will say yes. And some people will say no, nothing processed. It needs to be as strictly close to being vegetables as possible. And that word that's translated vegetables um, is also translated as pulses, which would most likely be like a grain or a lentil or something that they would like stir up in a porridge. So again, like you said, our diet is so different from what the diet was at the time. And so what is the intention behind giving up the delicacies and the good foods, um, and the things that we're so used to eating and accustomed to eating on a daily basis. So I'll have times when I do a Daniel fast where I'll be very strict and nothing at all processed in any way, um, just fruits, vegetables, whole grains, like quinoa and rice, beans and lentils, nuts and seeds. Um, And then there might be some other times where I'll have almond milk in some of my recipes, um, or I'll eat you know, some flatbread without yeast and and some things that might be more in that gray zone. And it just depends on what I've set out. And the one thing I do try to do is decide ahead of time what the fasting plan is going to be. Uh, Because otherwise it's very easy to get three days in and say, oh, well, maybe I do want to, you know, eat some of that. Um, The other thing that's important when I'm fasting on the Daniel fast is to to mix up what eating throughout the day so that you're not just eating a bunch of fruit that's going to, you know, spike and crash, but you're eating some whole, um, sorry, not whole, but some protein sources, you're eating plenty of fiber, you're mixing up even the vegetables that you're eating leafy greens and orange and red vegetables and cauliflower and green vegetables. And so when you do that, it's able to uh, keep your body in a better steady state because really those beans and the nuts and seeds, they have healthy plant-based protein in them, but you don't want to neglect eating that and the healthy fats um, in favor of just eating a, a 
pure carbohydrate diet that could affect your blood sugar and things like that. So, um, has your, do you, do you find that your routine has evolved over time? Has it become different? Have you found that, um, that over the course of your journey with fasting that you've changed things up or refined them as you've gone, or has it been relatively the same? Yeah. I remember the first couple of times I did a meal fast, I was like, I am spending all my time in the kitchen. Like it's so much work for me to cook all these foods that I'm not used to eating. Um, yeah. And so I, I felt like, oh my gosh, this can't be the point of it is that now I'm spending so much time cooking. And so I really did learn along the way, some good tips for trying to make sure you cook on the front end and you grocery shop and you prep stuff on the front end so that when you're, you're putting your meals together, it's a little bit easier Um, so, and, and batch cooking is kind of a popular concept or meal prepping in general. It's like you try to cook one day of the week and cook up larger portions and then put them out throughout the week. And to just always make sure that I had like a big pot of soup. And so that for lunch, I could just eat soup every day or have a really big salad and then just eat off of that salad throughout the week. Um, or if I'm making something for dinner, make twice as much so then I can eat lunch the next day because I didn't want to be, you know, I wanted to spend that time in prayer and reading the word um, and not just spending it cooking all day. So I think that's really important when you are doing a Daniel fast, you do need to think about it ahead of time um, and have a plan and kind of think about what's the best day out of the week for me to do extra cooking and what else is going to get in the way, because that can be very hard if you haven't planned ahead and then you have a busy day or you're tired or someone gets sick and then you're stuck at the last minute going, I'm so hungry. What can I grab? And uh, that can be really defeating if you don't have some things already prepared and ready to go. Yeah, that that's important. Do you address some of that in your book where you kind of give tips for those kinds of recipes and things like that, that you can prep ahead of time? Yeah, I do talk about that a little bit in the book. Um, Cause that's really my heart for people is I don't, I don't want people to get into it and then realize, oh my goodness, this is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Or, you know, yeah. something I'll hear from a lot of people too, by the time they, they land on my blog or reach out is like, I ran out of ideas. <laughs> I knew to mm-hmm. eat like oatmeal for breakfast and a salad, but then I didn't know what else could I eat, you know, cause that can get pretty repetitive after a little bit. So yeah, I really, my hope is to make it accessible for people as well, because I don't think the problem for most people is um, that they are not being strict enough. I think that they're too intimidated to even start. Yeah. And so then they just don't fast at all. Yeah. And that brings me to the next question. I mean, aside from getting this book, The Daniel Fast Journey, which would be a great way to start, what would you say is an easy step one for somebody who would really love to incorporate fasting into her life, but does feel intimidated? Yeah. My biggest advice would be just try for one day. Even if it's just two meals out of that day, just try it. Because I think the the overwhelming part is the length of time. And I think if you can do it just one day and you can see how it feels and you can realize it's not so scary, and then you're empowered um, to know that you can do it 
then you can start to slowly extend that time. Now, some people, they might be able to jump in the deep end of the pool and say, I'm going to do 21 days. I got my meal plan. I'm ready to go. And if you're that person, email me. <laughs> I want to know about it. And, and that sounds really awesome. Um, but if you are someone where you're just intimidated and you keep putting it off, just start with the day and see what happens, see what God does and give it to the Lord. That is such good advice. Yeah. Just try it and see, and it, that'll give you kind of what you need to keep going. Um, but I really do recommend for anyone that is interested in this, um, to get Stephanie's book, the Daniel fast journey, because it is very comprehensive and just very biblical, which is what I loved so much about it is there's so much scripture and references and, um, just a really great book. So we, uh, we definitely love for you to check that out. So where could our listeners find your book and find you on social media and online to connect with you? The best place to go is danielfastjourney.com. Uh, because from there, you can link to social media, you can check out the book. There's also free resources on there. There's a 10 day meal plan. And there's also a 21 day devotional um, that are all free on the blog. So it's at danielfastjourney.com. All right, we will link to that to make it easy for everybody. And then they can find you. And are you on Facebook, Instagram? I'm mainly on Instagram. Okay. And Pinterest. Those are my favorite. All right. What are you, what's your handle? Um, there's on Instagram, the Daniel fast journey. Okay. And then on Pinterest fit now, Stephanie. All right. We will let everybody know those things too, in our notes. So thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for being here today. This has been really fun. And just every time I talk to you, I I'm inspired to reincorporating fasting into my prayer life because it is so powerful and, and admittedly, it isn't something that I focus on enough. So I, I really love your message. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going to close us up in prayer. So how can we pray for you today? Gosh, I would just ask for prayer, um, for continued guidance on what's next. Uh, yeah. because I'm really passionate about this message and I'm passionate about bringing it to more people. And I think the, the prayer for me is for God to show me how, and to show me what that looks like. Okay. Well, we will definitely do that. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you for this time with Stephanie today. Thank you for just placing this message on her heart. Thank you for the journey that she's embarked on through just fasting and prayer and the things that she's learned to be able to share with the world. And we just pray that you would um, help her to have vision, very specific vision for the next step, just the next step to take God, that your word and, and, and your spirit would just be a lamp to her feet to show her the next step to take and a light to her path to give her some long-term vision there's so many avenues for getting ourselves out there and, and sharing with people right now, but it's hard to know what, what the right step is. I just pray that for her, God, we lift her up to you and pray for that wisdom, for that, um, that wisdom, not that the world gives necessarily, but just that supernatural wisdom, because you can see ahead, you can see who needs to hear this. You can see what, what avenues are going to reach people that need to hear 
about um, what Stephanie has learned about fasting. And we just pray that you'd open doors for her in those areas, God, that you would give her clear vision and then go before her to just make the path clear for her to share her knowledge and her wisdom and that message that you've anointed her with to share with the world, help her to reach many women. I, I just pray God that you would help her to bring hope and um, just a renewed passion and even a revival of, of prayer lives through this um, discipline of fasting. God, that it would open doors for women who might have stagnant or even just dead prayer lives, that it would just revive them and just resurrect those prayer lives to, to be able to connect with you in a way that they've never thought possible and that they've never experienced before because of entering into this, um, this practice that you outline so, and, and emphasize in scripture so much. So we just pray your blessing on her, God, your blessing on her ministry, your blessing on her home and her family and on her life in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the praying Christian women podcast. We'd love to hear from you. So please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.